Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and this week I'm talking with Patar Janic. Matt interviewed Patar a while back when he was still living in Minneapolis and had made a name for himself there. He has since moved to Nashville full-time, and although he's been playing with Corey Wong in all kinds of projects since 2010, the last couple years have seen Corey and his nine-piece band explode into a popular-going concern, of which Patar is an integral part. So we thought it'd be cool to circle back with Patar and get the update on all that and much more. We have new Patreon content from some of our guests. We're featuring five transcriptions by Mike Malone, including Steve Gadd on We're In This Love Together by Al Jarreau, Anderson Pack on Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, and another recent guest, John J.R. Robinson on Rock With You by Michael Jackson. There's a lot more there, including videos by Bruce Becker discussing 16th note grooves three ways, and by Brian Zach about jazz ride technique. You can access all this and the rest of our Patreon content for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash working drummer. met Patar, you know he's just a live wire behind the drums and otherwise always energetic, always positive, always badass. And I think he's an example of bringing something to the Nashville drum scene that it didn't previously have. So buckle up, here comes Patar Janich. You're not doing video, right? No, no. I word this is just for you and okay. me. Okay. Let me just take my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You're gonna have to pipe down. We gotta get to some serious shit. <laughs> Alright. Um Okay, so you were you were mentioning um you're home for a day uh in between uh trips with, with Corey and the next one is going where? Yeah. Well, yeah, we just came back from a crazy festival run. We did um, Spec, which is Saratoga, Saratoga Springs Jazz Festival, and that was insane. It was on the bill. It was Church of Wellness, then Tower of Power, hmm. and then us, and then Snarky Puppy. That was that yeah. was like a. It was just my God. I mean, like yeah, the- Candyland. Like <laughs> I could not like even be in my dressing room. I was just watching every. It was Horacio. With Chucho mm. and then Garibaldi came in hot. Man. And then I was like, God dang it, I have to go. And then it was JT with Snarky. It was just awesome. I feel like Horacio is like aging Dude. so gracefully and so joyfully. Like he is so much himself. I saw you probably saw this IG video of him. He's like waist deep in in the water in the ocean, and he has like an umbrella hat on, and there's a practice pad floating in the water. And he's just like jamming on the he practice is, pad and singing like in on the, in the beach. 
<laughs> Dude, both him and DG, David Garibaldi, man, I was – David's what, up in his 70s right now? Gotta be. And they started – We came to play. Yeah. And JT's – both me and JT were like on the side of the stage just <laughs> like speechless. Man. Like, this is incredible. That's so incredible. great. Such, especially like – me growing up in Serbia, dude, I will never forget the two things I like tapes that I had at the time was a modern drummer, 1997 and Horacio is just him and John Panatucci. I wore that out. And then I had a um, tower of inspiration, David Garibaldi's VHS too. I'm like, I wore that out as a kid and just even to this day, I'm like trying not to be a fanboy, but I'm such a fanboy. Like, oh, I'm of like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Screaming, yelling. And Even the guys that were like, the crew was like on backstage like, do we need to remove this person or what? So like, aside from the fanboying, um, did you notice anything about uh, either either Horacio or Garibaldi? Because like, like you mentioned, both those guys are like in, in their 70s or, or close at least. Um, and so like, did you notice any any physical changes in how they played like because i i asked Absolutely. because I, I i interviewed weckle a while ago and we talked about how you know over the years just his motion has completely smoothed out his sound hasn't changed Dude. like he's still weckle but like the way he looks behind yeah. the kit both of them i and this is like what i'm trying to figure out how to apply my playing because you know you see me play and i'm like full-on motion all body and like everything it's, like it's exhausting but, it's exhausting to watch you, you <laughs> and, and i mean that as a great I, I compliment bet. i mean that as a great compliment uh, because you're capable of so much energy and so much force that i'm just never gonna have <laughs> and now i'm over no, but, 40 i see you play i'm just like oh jesus christ oh, I'm tired. i'll get there i'll get there <laughs> the thing is watching especially horacio i was just Man, he's playing so quiet. Mm, yeah. But then I went in front of the house, and whoever the sound man was for them is doing magic. But when I was backstage, the p- piano was louder than him, mm. which was like insane. He was like, Yeah. But out there's like, like, it was like, wow, dude. Yeah. And same thing with Garibaldi. Like, it w- they were both not hitting, yep. like, which was like, Insane, but you go from the house, it was just, you got to fuck. And like, but back is, and like, I noticed, especially with Garibaldi too, his setup is just, everything is just there. Everything is just so close to him. Yeah. And he's just, it's always been that way. And, and I don't know. I mean, it works for him, obviously. I don't, I don't know that I could do it, but like it, it's almost like I mean, all his drums and cymbals are just in the same spot, like within three square yeah. feet or something, you know? So that was, yeah. And that was last week. And still, I'm still like, kind of like going through that, like experience in my mind. Right. And as I came back home, like two days ago and now like we have one day break, day and a half break so we could squeeze this interview but um what's next we a couple of great things like so we're doing this charity hockey game <laughs> which is Corey's playing hockey with joe mauer and a bunch of minnesota wild players and a bunch of penguin players <laughs> wow it's it's insane 
So Corey Wong and OAR are putting this event. And it's I'm looking forward to fly out tomorrow to Minneapolis. And then we have like another day, day and a half break. And then we have a festival. And unfortunately, Janelle Monet backed out of Mantra Jazz Festival. Mm. And we were fortunate enough to snag that spot. So it's we're playing, we're doing a double bill with Nile Rogers. Cool. And we are commencing a European tour, European festival tour. And then we, have, we go to Japan and then we're playing six shows at Blue Note Hawaii. Wow. Basically, I'm not getting home until August 9th. I know that. Yeah. But there's a lot of festivals. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of festivals, right now. a lot of flying, I would imagine. Um, Dude, yeah. So, like, you you did the podcast for the first time like four years ago, eighteen two thousand eighteen. I think with Matthew, there. yeah. And at that time, I went to Matt's house. Right, right. At that time, like, you had just started playing with Corey, and well, that's when Corey technically, yeah, two thousand seventeen was Corey's first year as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. I pl- I started playing with Corey since two thousand ten. Like we went to school, college friends, we played, dude, we played from weddings to (laughs) two people in the jazz club to dive bars to like frat, frat boy, frat boy bars. Right. All those character building gigs. Dude. And we did backed up so many artists and like we basically went to the same school together, like Mm -hmm. not just college, but in general, like growing up in this, when I used to live in Minneapolis, I live in Nashville now, but um, yeah, yeah I, when I, when I did the podcast, I was still living in Minneapolis. Oh, um, so wait, I didn't quite realize that the last time you did the podcast, you were still living in Minneapolis. Yeah. I but, was about to move to Nashville. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's great to know. Um, because I like, I want to talk to you about Nashville. Um, but since, so since you've done the podcast, like you've, you've, uh, you know, you've obviously been playing with Corey for a while, but since the last time you were on, um, you, you know, obviously you've moved to Nashville full time, but like Corey has, yeah. has become much more of a thing. And, uh, absolutely. You know, your, your, I, your gig I'm with like, him is much more of a going concern. <laughs> well, even to this, like, I think about it, like, man, 2000, when we did that, I guess 18, we played, I guess we would play clubs of two, three, 400 people. And now we are playing, 4,000 auditoriums or festivals. We just did Bonnaroo and we, we are, we did, we headline like one of the headliners of Newport jazz and we are doing mantra and North sea. It's just, it's crazy how fast. And we record, I mean, we also got hit by the thing we hit by, yeah. got hit by the thing in 2020. And right. And it's still, that was like Corey that year released eight albums in a year. We, Jesus. we were never been, we were never been bu- we were so busy throughout the pandemic that we had a variety show yeah. <laughs> that we started filming and it was amazing like a lot of changes in my gear a lot of changes in companies that approached me and showed love and that the the like saw the progress of the band they were, they were like hey we really like what you're doing come to us mm-hmm. <laughs> join us and it was just yeah since that yeah since the podcast, so many things have changed, I guess. In, and also me as a player and me approaching certain gigs and my session approach has changed so much since I moved to Nashville yeah. versus when I was living in Minneapolis because I was more 
I've been doing it more <laughs> since I've been living in Nashville, right, you know? Right. Uh, so like, talk, talk about that. How, how has Nashville, um, just sort of broad strokes, how do you feel it's changed you as a player or evolved you as a, as a musician? Well, Minneapolis will always be my school and my like growing to be a, mu a musician that I am today. And mm -hmm. that's of course, thanks to Michael Bland, Gordy Knudsen. Um, but I mean, you living there for 10 years, you certainly, I managed to reach the, like the ceiling to like, I want to give me more. I want more, mm -hmm. more knowledge, more. And one thing like that Minneapolis suffered, especially throughout the George Floyd, throughout the pandemic is the city that's, music scene kind of started going down mm -hmm. and luckily i did move before that and something about the nashville community and the nashville music scene that was amazing the community is so welcoming and warm and there's so much happening yeah there's music happening every night and there's all kinds of things going on to the jazz scene to like the singer songwriter americana scene to the country scene that i've tracked on country records i tracked on like singer songs singer songwriter records and i've never i did not had that opportunity those opportunities like that in minneapolis mm -hmm. and just like playing with my friend scott mulvihill like tracking his stuff it was completely different to what i was doing with Corey or what i would be doing in minneapolis and then other other projects like that i got to hop on which was like crazy i'm like and it just opened my mind to like see other players like jerry Rowe, we like he reached out to me hey let's grab coffee and this is like one of the first session calls and like having conversations with him and just kind of like sharing experiences he's like this live thing you do and like this session you do like and, and that stuff like that does not happen in minneapolis right so right. that was that was a big thing to like to approach learn other people's approaches and whatnot, you know? Right. And so like yeah. when, when you're talking about guys like Jerry Rowe, um, how has, how has sort of the old guard of classic Nashville drumming, classic Nashville studio drumming, like how has that approach in that school, uh, influenced you since you've been there? Well, people who know me from the beginning of Pitar Janic as a drummer, uh, they know what I'm capable of. And, uh, the 60 note, the groove, but and the feel, but just approaching like certain like tunes and like being prepared for a session and just being re ready to like, hey, we're walking in. There's like two takes. That's it. Mm -hmm. Two takes and we're moving on. And just having that mentality and just building a vocabulary of like fills and just the simplicity, like learning yeah. the like this learning how to adapt space in playing is even i just did a session with my with my friend and great producer alex keel and he, he's the person who knows me since college mm -hmm. and when he like man just it's this is this this is the this is the thing he was even he was like man you your studio playing has changed so much since the last session we did because it just adapting space in the play yeah. and it's it's seriously simple like that just Oh yeah, I'm gonna play. And like, whoa! Like, I would expect you to do something there, but you didn't. I'm like, yeah, you didn't require. I think space is what needed to happen there. Yeah. You're like, God, God, 
Like getting that that beat instead of like getting one, like just it was like all these new things are coming in my playing that I've never been there, you know. Right, right, and I think it has to do with like, um, for sometimes you got to turn certain parts of yourself off. Like, you know, especially yeah. if your background is a very like active style. I mean, you come, you come from like the, the, the funk R and B, uh, you know, whole school. I come from the jazz world. Um, and I think coming from both those places, if, if you're going to do a session like you're talking about, or an artist like you're talking about, you have to just sort of like mute those channels <laughs> in your brain that yeah. want to fill up that space and embrace the emptiness. And I think that comes... Honestly, I think that comes with age yeah. and with experience and just also kind of in general, what I, especially myself is remove the ego. Mm -hmm. The ego does not exist. You remove that. It's hard. Nobody cares. Nobody will care. Like it just do the job. Mm -hmm. The job is done. Yes. It's just approaching. Be there to satisfy the person that needs you to do what they want you to do. And if they tell you, hey, I want the thing you do. Then you do the thing or like I'm doing air quotes, but do the, do, I want to hear what you have to offer. Give me the Petarionich thing. Right. And then, yes, I will give you the Petarionich thing. But before they even ask for that, I'm, are we happy? Yes. Moving on. Yep. But yep. the thing is just serve the song, serve the artist's vision. the chain i signed with pearl drums mm -hmm. last year i guess i'm going into year two now signed with pearl and it's been such an incredible journey with that company they've been nothing but supportive and really like chasing like oh what do you need we love what you do and what sounds do you want what and they've been nothing but awesome yeah but they organized an event last month, which was insane. They released some new incredible gear, some incredible hardware. Right. I saw this and all over Instagram they, and it was like Dennis Chambers and... Uh, yes. It was, was Dennis, Omar Hakim, Omar. and Mike Mangini. <laughs> and myself. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> which was just, what? Because they asked the Corey band to be the house band and they asked me to play. We did a concert and I would play three songs. Mike would come and play two songs. I would play two songs. Omar would come and play two songs. I would play two, three songs. Dennis played three songs and they closed the night. But hanging the two days, I hung out with Dennis. And like Dennis and Omar are my heroes. Mm -hmm. Like they're one of the top, like top 10 drummers of my entire life as like who I want to be. Right. Like, and just talking to Dennis, especially Dennis was, so like he would like say things like he was young he was just i wish there was somebody to tell me what i'm gonna tell you and that was just it's not about speed 
I, I'm Dennis Chambers. And it took me a minute to realize it's not about the speed. It's about locking it down, grooving. It's grooving. When, they come, when it's your moment, then yes, it's your moment. But listen, like, listen to me. I'm like, I'm like, and that was just so, if for every, anyone who's listening, Corey actually has a live video from soundcheck from the rehearsal. And he says these things. You have, go on Corey's Instagram. He posted the whole live hmm. and it's still there on Dennis Chambers. He called it Dennis Chambers auditioning for the Corey Wong gig. <laughs> and I'm, 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 and I'm filming it, which is hilarious. But yeah, Dennis says some incredible things. I advise you to go listen and check that thing out. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just also like hang out with these legends and just how they same thing, like with age comes so much experience. But also, you know, with age you you tend like your chops are gonna like it's a physical thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But still maintaining to have that sound and yeah. to sound like Dennis Chambers. And that that's what that's my ultimate goal. Like I always want to sound like Patar and to have the moment I started hitting hit the one groove and like that's Patar. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that all the time, like how your you know your signature sound um can come through in rock beat number one. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be a signature Absolutely. Lick or a, a certain thing you no. do. Like, you know, you listen to Steve Gadd, you listen to Keith Carlock, you listen to Bernard Purdy. Like, Gad's king, dude. Yeah. Gad is king. <laughs> I mean, till this day today. Like, I, yeah. So, like, he's what seventy upper upper seventies and just yeah seventy five still yeah. locking it, still locking it, holding it down like no one else, man. To like James Taylor, and then he like does like he, at least he did a tour with Chick Corea, and just like man, I saw that at live, and it was just. I'm like, what? And then you see him like a week later. Layla, the yeah, playing with like, it's it's I, I think, uh, what like what you're describing is is why I'm believing more and more that that Gad is the greatest ever, because yeah, it because he doesn't really approach any gig very differently i'm sure he does in his own head um but no matter no matter who he is playing with he is playing like steve gad and you know there's there's you know times when he you know turns turns this fader in his brain up or turns that fader down in his brain or whatever like he has this set of stuff but like he is Put it this way, he is the most himself in the most different musical contexts uh that that I can think of out of any drummer. I yeah, I mean God is king, dude. <laughs> so for you, like no. you're, you're talking about doing these sessions, these Nashville sessions and playing extremely simply and leaving a bunch of empty space. Um how do you like on on Wong's gig, like you're you're kind of off the leash, like <laughs> <laughs> Wong wants you to be yeah, Patar. Uh, he wants the Patar shit. Yes. So like how do you sort well, of bridge the gap between these two of like trying to be yourself in a very simple but even situation? The crazy thing is even with Corey, every, respect the parts of the song. Yeah. Sure. Even like again, Corey Corey knows what he wants from drums. And there's like many times that Corey's like many emails sound like, hey, this song, 
nope, nope, don't do this. Like he he has a vision and he always like knows he would send like emails to to the entire band. This is what I'm doing wrong to to himself. Like Corey, he would write an email or like a text and he would just write Corey. Don't do this. <laughs> like referring to himself. Yo, like Johannes or Sonny, do this. Pitar, this is too much. I need you to don't one thing that I've learned for Corey from Corey is like, don't think I don't want this is too drummery. Don't give me a drummery part. I need you. One thing I did get mostly is being musical with the part. Mm-hmm. So everything, even like there's definitely songs where I'm like, go, bro. Especially in like the the fast paced funk, the 16th note thing that we do. Right. But that also comes from like the, the nothing that I honestly do is new. It's mm-hmm. like, listen to any old school James Brown. They're playing like, yeah, you listen to a library, to the record. And it's like, oh yeah. But you see, you hear like, um, not cold sweat, but the Papa's got a brand new ma- brag. Yeah, so yeah. that's the, the, that's the record. Yeah. Live. Right. And it's, that's it. You know, that energy, same thing. When you go play assassin. And like every time I would squeeze something in, I would make sure that's a space where I can do that. Mm-hmm. And the band, the Wong band is nine musicians who are all capable of just being monsters at their craft. Right. And everybody has a thing to say. The thing is why that works is just we all, it's what Corey always says, respect the part, follow. We never try to like step over each other. Yeah. And that's one of the valuable lessons from, him and like you said, like when I go to a Wong gig, it's mine is every time I, I would we would do Corey would send a set list and we have a sixty song book. Yeah. Wow. That's that's the book of the band right now. Sixty set sixty something songs. And he would write a set list the day before and send a set list and like, oh, this is it. And I would just Learn, listen to the music. What, do a quick listen and just uh, unless, like if, if if it's something that we have not played in a in a minute, but it's just okay. Just listen to the part and just try to listen to everyone's part and make sure that we are not stepping over each other. Like the tune Saint Paul, when Kevin's taking a solo during a B section, you know. Usually, I'm. When he's not taking a solo, I'm like, when he's taking a solo, because I'm doing like a strict, like less subdivision so you can fill it up, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's the opposite of what a lot of drummers would want to do, especially drummers like me coming from a jazz background. It's like when, when somebody's soloing, like that's the time that you want to perk up your ears and listen and interact and improvise and you know and that's yeah. a, that's a thing in certain genres but like for your band for that thing the you know the when the soloist steps up is when you step back and just simplify it. Yeah. when when it's more of an ensemble part and it's like an interlocking thing that's when you have yeah. the freedom to sort of be more active and it's also he's the leader now i am driving the bus in time mm-hmm. 
but he is guiding guiding us where or if Corey soloing or they're guiding they're leading and i'm just there to like hey it's right here but what level and what do you want it's what's the story you're gonna tell us what the story is you know mm-hmm. um when it like that and the crazy thing about the Corey band like we would play something fast like assassin lunchtime ketosis whatever these these are like fast but then we go into like a song like meditation which is like and to me songs like that are the hardest because there's so much space Mm -hmm. and it's touching like it's so important to like be present even though if it's like oh dude you're just playing yeah, I'm playing it for eight minutes, but I'm like learning how to gear shift. I'm focusing on the dynamics. Yeah. I'm trying to help Corey or Kevin or you, whoever is at the time, like raise up to the like and just help them. Like we're like moving this thing and we're pushing it together. Right. You know? And when you set something and up that simply and, and do it for that long, it's, it's so much easier to create some drama one way or the other, like a slight increase, absolutely, a slight increase in dynamics or a slight increase in activity is like, you know, just changes the song entirely. Dude, I, it's, it's, it, and like, if you, if I was, if, Patar and 20, 21 year old Patar was listening. He's like, what is this guy talking about? Man? Yeah, what, what, what? Yeah. Like, That's no. the progression yeah. for all and of us, just, man. Like when, you know, when we're young, yeah. we want to play all the notes. We want to hear all the fucking notes. And, you know, like you said, the, the older you get, the more experience you get, um, the more your, your ears and your soul just sort of appreciate space and silence. And <laughs> absolutely, dude, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why also I'm, uh, this year I'm releasing a drum course, which is, it's going to be a little different than what you see out there on the internet, yeah, but yeah. it's going to be, it's Corey and myself. We're talking, Corey's playing bass. I'll be playing, I'm playing drums. I'm going through some simple exercises that like help me get that ghost note funk thing. But then we talk also about the Minneapolis feel about this subdivision thing, like removing the subdivision to adding the subdivision. Also, relying on each like instrument like how to okay if you want to solo and you have the freedom it, it's gonna be awesome it's coming out soon and i'm super stoked about that that's awesome man when is that release this drum yeah uh i don't know the exact date but i'm gonna say in in a couple of months for sure cool that's one of the things that i'm dropping out i'm dropping also the overtone control symbol dampeners that um you're about to say something. Well, no, like I, I'm, I'm smiling because like this is something you've become known for. Like people on the internet are like, "What are these socks that he's got hanging oh, yeah, off I of get, his symbol?" I, I get, I, I either get attacked, and then come, take those off the symbols. I'm like, bro, who cares? No, Calm down. Like, yeah, Jesus, it's worth it. It's, it, it's such a unique thing, and especially I can, the thing I met a few producers here in Nashville who I'm like. Who want to kind of choke me out right now because I've not delivered, I've did not deliver them yet to them because <laughs> I've been gone. But this winter I'm releasing it's it's my own product uh, with my friend Jody Lee that we we kind of I partnered up with and we're gonna drop it in the winter. But it's incredible. It does not affect the symbol. It it just removes the sustain and 
the high frequency the overtone mm-hmm. the symbol still sounds i've tried putting a moon gel i tried putting like anything like tape yeah but it affects the tone of the symbol this it just i've i'll release the video with the specs but there's like a piece of leather that's i'm sitting on top of the bell so the the cloth that's measured throughout the 22-inch ride or a 20 crash or 18 crash. It'll come in a pack of three. So it just sits on the symbol, and when you hit it, the symbol is still still sounds the same. It just, the overtone kind of just slowly decays, which is every producer were like, that's the main thing in the session because what's the loudest thing on this, the drums? The cymbals. Right. What's the most like crazy thing? The cymbals. Yeah. And that idea came to me when, we were doing a clinic in Amsterdam and we were in this boomy hall and we were playing. I'm like, man, the symbols and chords, like, dude, fix it, bro. Uh. <laughs> That's legendary. I'm like, okay, uh, just go to the kitchen, just get the kitchen towels. And I ran and I duct tape a bunch of towels. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I started like, this, this can be done way better and differently. And I started like sewing different patterns, like, you saw it and like for the right symbol it's a different sewing for the crash symbols it, it's a different kind of sew. Wow. so because you want the crash to kind of be more it's a crash symbol you don't want to yeah. take take away from the crash but for the right symbols man it's incredible and say again what these, what are these things made of like uh it's cloths it's different cloths for a different symbol that i, I okay. i've gone through the gone through like nelson's drum shop i ran through other places to like find the right cloth some cloths are crash cloths are like this uh-huh. from this material, and it's like. And are they stuffed different. with something, or is it just a flat strip? No, it's a flat strip that I depends on the symbol. You have to have certain kind of twirl. How many? How much? How thick you want to make it? Uh huh. And it's sewed. Okay. So for the right symbol, it's a thicker, thicker, thicker twirl, but it's sewed in the middle. So it like, it yeah, it's it's a unique thing. It's not for everyone if they don't like it. I it so far every session, every I've used it for every live gig, and yeah. a lot of people are like, dude, I need a pair. Yeah, send me some, and like, and I'm so behind because I'm so gone. I'm I'm like right, again. So I you're leave making all these things yourself. Yeah. <laughs> for now, yeah. until yeah, yeah. I, I'm CEO, <laughs> whatever you want to call. <laughs> and with my with my, again, I have a I have a friend Jody Lee who is also a drummer. We both kind of took this adventure, but I'm look. I'm definitely once I'm finished with the first batch and when it's officially released, definitely I will try to like continue to someone else to do that stuff because I definitely don't have time. Yeah, yeah. And like, have have you devised a catchy name for these things, or are they just your symbol? Overtone dampers? control. Overtone control. There you go. Okay. Find a new store near you. Hopefully this winter. Nice. Go go go. Going back to the Corey gig, um, something I wanted to ask you about was just the the connection between drums and guitar. Um, and, you know, Corey is just, you know, a, a master practitioner of rhythm guitar. Dude, yeah. And so how, like, you've obviously been playing with Corey a long time and, and you have that hookup with him. Um, but in in the current iteration of the band, like this nine-piece thing, or maybe just in general, like over over your time with Corey, like... How has his approach to rhythm and time and groove uh, influenced yours? Well, 
again, like I said before, Corey and me come from that same school in Minneapolis, you know, and Minneapolis is known for a thing, man. Like, you know, you have, you have the West coast, you have the East coast, you have playing behind, playing a little bit ahead. Minneapolis has such a interesting feel and it's just pitching down the middle with like a slight push, but you're still in the middle of the grid. Like, like listening to like a tune, take the uh, tune by Prince head for like, or like lady cab driver. Like with that, with those janks and like the pushes, same thing. When Corey goes, it was just, it's just such an aggressive feel. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it just, like, if you look at the grid, it just right down the middle. And like, just imagine when you, when you have like two or three people looking at the time and the feel like that. And that's just how we lock. We just do that thing together. That's just, they've been doing it since 2010. Right. And it, I don't want to say it's like automatic now, but the moment, like you just know, like here it is, mm-hmm. you know, even when I play with other guitar players, I have my own organ. I have an organ trio with a mutual friend, Ty Bailey. Yeah. And Adam McPhail, we have a band called Uncle Bronco. And it's just playing with them. It's completely different to what I play with Corey. Like Adam is incredible, but when he does his rhythm, it's like different than what he feels different than Corey. Well, this you know? is, like you, you've led me into sort of my next question about this is because like, you know, you and Corey are steeped in this certain thing and you speak this common language. And when you're playing with Corey, like that's, that's your blood type. So when you get with a, di- a different guitarist, uh, whose approach is, is not that thing. Um, do you like, how, how do you approach that? Like, did it take a minute for you and Adam to sort of find each other in that way? Mm, no, it was, in, it was, it was, it was immediate, especially, especially with Ty and Adam. Yeah. They're like, they're, I don't know. We are like, I feel like we're like in the same tree, you know, we were just, yeah. we're, it, it was, but even when, again, whoever it is, it just, mindset to like opening my ears and listening to how do they feel it? Where do they feel it? And how do, how do you approaching time versus where I'm approaching time? But in the end, this is, am I kind of cheating? We are the drummers. <laughs> so we are in charge of, the, of, of that part of the, of the music. We are in charge of the time. Yeah. yeah. So in the end, like I'm sending it here and wherever you want to go, brother, let's, we'll go there, but it's kind of here, you right, know? Right. Right. And, and that's the thing. I'm inter- I'm it's interesting like as I'm thinking about Uncle Bronco and and you and Adam and Ty just in terms of the level of like you said your intensity or the level of your aggression in your approach to the groove it's like it's like uh um I don't know it's like high medium and low like I think of you as the most aggressive out of the three of them just in terms of your approach to time and your approach to groove and then Adam is medium oh, absolutely. and Ty is is the lowest. Yeah, Ty is just chilling. Yeah, he's yeah. just chilling back there. <laughs> Ty is just chilling. He, right. And that's the greatest thing. The Ty, Ty is the oldest and he's the much, most mature out of all of us. 
musically. I'm not giving him. <laughs> I'm not giving him the other. Yeah, other you should no. not. You should not. Ty, if you're listening, nope, you're not getting it. Sorry, bud. Uh, you're you're cute though. Um, He's super. But cute. he knows, like, that's on you. Like, you are the time- timekeeper, and that lets me. I'm gonna put it here, but he he knows, like, he trusts me to guide that ship, and he trusts that I'm gonna be right, and so he lays with me right and adam has the freedom to do whatever adam wants to do honestly because if you play he can go around that i I, i'm giving him the foundation to do whatever he wants to do right right and i think ty does the same thing i think like one of one of ty's gifts as a musician is the maturity and the adaptability to let whoever he's playing with be themselves. And he makes that's the best thing. He makes them sound good being themselves. And he has his own that's identity makes, yeah. for a sure for sure. But like you said, like he's just back there sort of doing whatever is in the room. <laughs> I think you will not listen to this, but I he's the greatest. Ty is incredible. <laughs> he is. He is he is a brilliant musician, but one of the baddest or like sickest organ players Yeah, who played like, incre- he's incredible. Yeah. He's one of my favorite musicians. I want him to, I want him to produce more stuff. Like I love playing he with needs him. To, yeah. yeah. And he's absolutely, he's going to produce a lot of great shit. I think. Um, he's too busy. He's too busy with... <laughs> yeah, he's too busy like playing at the flamingo or <laughs> the underdog. Or... <laughs> no, 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 no. He's not... Man, who's he out? He's out. I think he's out with. Um, yeah, no, he was Dan Felder right now. Yeah, he was doing Wilder Woods for uh, Wilder Woods for the spring. Felder, yeah. then Jostom. I mean, the dude is just. Yeah. He's just. I, he you can't. Know? He just... can't say no to a plane ride. It's like, hey, Ty, you want to fly no. somewhere and play? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, we actually played our last gig was uh, three days ago in Portland, yeah, Oregon, and he was playing in Phoenix, and he was going home, which is Tri Cities, Seattle area. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, dude, I'm gonna stop by your gig. <laughs> like, yeah. And he legitimately tried to come. He unfortunately he could not make the flight, but he was about to come to my last show. I'm like, wow, to hang out because he's Thai. Because right. he's that he's he's a legend. He's yeah. that kind of a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like with uncle Bronco, you, you guys are starting to release some singles, right? Yeah. Our next singles coming. What's the, I guess your July 6th, I think the July 14th would be a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. July 14th is our second single coming. Then record's going to come in a month. We have a full album that's coming out in a month. Okay. So you so got I'm like a couple looking. of single sort of pre-releases and then. Yep. Three singles and then the album. How many tracks on the album? nine cool and you recorded this at a cool studio i forgot where it was yeah uh sound emporium oh right 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 okay nice and those are all all original tunes all original written by ty adam myself um it's yeah i wanted to double check yeah it is the sound sound emporium (laughs) i don't want to give it (laughs) wrong studio yeah 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 and it's crazy sound emporium is owned by lipscomb university and Adam teaches there, so we had a right. great that's a good hook great hookup there. But yeah. Yeah, it's great studio. It was it was great. We had it for two days. We just went in, we rehearsed the day before, went in into two days, we just did a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It sounds and we great, really man. like talking about 
it is. I don't know if Ty played you some stuff, and I know his first single's out, but it it, it it's a it's a fun record. It does. It's a different thing. It just you well, get to hear everyone who. It, yeah, it's a great it's a great um, sort of portrait of of each of your personalities, like as individuals yeah. and as a band, and it's fun. Like I don't I don't get the impression that the that you guys are taking this or yourselves super seriously, and that's not to say that it doesn't sound great, and it's not to say that you all aren't like complete badasses, but like you're, you're, ha- this is a fun project for the three of you and you're treating it as such. You're not treating it as life or death or your next big thing. It's like, this is fun yeah. shit that we love doing. Here it is. Exactly. And that, and we, we made a band as we're like hanging out and like, Oh, you should make a band. Like, yeah. And then we played the gig and like, Oh my God, this is fun. And then we just kind of kept doing stuff. I'm like, should we track an album? Like, and it's, it's super fun. And like, again, we are both, we, all three of us are trying to figure out, we got to figure out how to do this more, and we want to. So, we might be planning a little tour, West Coast tour, in December. Cool. I so I was going to ask, like, do you have do you have any plans for this band? Like, what's I? Th- I the thing is, the best thing is a trio, so we can do easy. Like, it will be easy traveling with a three piece. So we want to do. I think we want to do maybe some West Coast, maybe three, four, five show run in the West Coast, and like when we have time. And yeah. again, it's like an investor of time from all of us and i know ty is extremely busy i know adam teaches a lot and he has also a lot on this plate and Corey knock wood is keeping us all really busy and it's all great stuff yeah i doubt i doubt he's slowing down anytime um not not soon no to ask you about in terms of uh playing with Corey is that he like that band has sort of some guest artists cycle through um absolutely and one of them recently was victor wooten did like a handful of shows with you guys oh we did a tour together right Right. so what i mean (laughs) that's a different dude that was a different oh my god yeah playing with vic is I don't, yeah, I don't Another, even know. I don't even know what to ask about Victor Wooten, but just like talk about playing with Victor Wooten. <laughs> he is so knowledgeable, and he's so everything. Every not just playing with him, just listening to him talk, yeah, and hanging with him. He just makes you a better person, a better human. Mm. Music aside, just waking up on the bus and seeing Victor in the morning, putting shoes on makes you a better person and i know it sounds funny but just like hearing him say good morning is just i'm happy and the next we would walk he would grab his chai or he would make his chai tea chai on the, on the bus chai latte and i would just we just talk music life and the moment he plays the first note it's just wow yeah, yeah. it's 
incredible. He would do these solo pieces and it's just, this is incredible. This is so amazing. Especially, he's open about, he talks about his, about his left hand. He's, he has focal dystonia. So occasionally his two fingers would stop working. So he would just play with two fingers. Wow. I didn't know that about him. Is that a recent development or has he always had that? It it's I it it's the last two three years. You, he he's he talks about it. He has a camp. I just I just came. I did this camp. I was at a jam camp. I was a guest with a friend of mine, and he we were just hanging out and it, talk about a guy who's like known for. He's like he had to change his playing completely. Yeah, and we would play gigs. We would play these crazy tours and. The way you would approach it was just oh man, I was like driving and it's like having a friend like, yo, dude, take a turn left. You know? <laughs> yo, dude, let's, let's yeah. it was just So are it you was are you saying like with, with this left hand thing he's got going on, you're you're saying that like two of his fingers will sort of stop working like mid song? Yeah. And he'll have to adapt. Occasionally mid song, and he would have that playing with just the pinky and the wow. So index. it's like his his middle yeah, finger he, and his ring finger that that check out sometimes. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that about him. That's that's nuts. And so yeah. going back to what you were saying about like just like being on the bus and like seeing him put his shoes on and he says good morning. Like it it made me remember that Victor Wooten is uh he he has mastered sort of being in the moment. Um, yes, and, and absolutely when you. Like whether it's musically or otherwise, whether you watch him play or are like I've gotten to talk with him a little bit or just watch him talk. Like no matter what he's doing, he is in the moment, and that puts you in the moment. Absolutely, and it just raises raises you up. Even like, hey, this and this, yeah, man, just this is the you'd solve the problem like this, and you would apply this. Even like, like I had to change my whole playing, and I'm still learning how to uh, use this thing and how to use it to my advantage and how to play differently. Right. And talk about a challenge for like being in the moment. It's like when, when the moment is like, Oh, these two fingers aren't working right now. So I have to use these two other fingers. Like uh, it would be so easy to get frustrated in that moment, but if anyone anyone is equipped to take it in stride and play on it's, it's Victor. Yeah. And you didn't like even know this about him, but just it's crazy. His feel, his groove, his it's like even that, just yeah. like there's so much depth into that. Yep. Um doing and it was yeah, it was my blog. I I'm we talked about I want to have Vic Victor play with Uncle Bronco and we're gonna do a show here in Nashville, maybe by the end of the year together. Oh cool. And and just Cause he would just, he just adds so much musicality and wisdom to the music. Yes. That's, it was just, it was mind blowing. Mind and you talk about, and he's like a family. Talk about the depth of, of, uh, you know, the depth with which he plays a simple groove. You know, it, it goes back to what we were saying about Gad playing rock beat number one. Like the, the right. best, the best musicians are as committed, uh, to the simple shit as they are to the complex shit. Maybe even more so. Absolutely. Even I think, yeah, even I think, even more so. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, so one thing about Vic that I, like, I had to like put him on blast. He likes peanut butter M&Ms a lot. Uh-huh. And he just, like, there was the entire tour, there was a family pack. Even when we like finish a pack, there'll be a family pack. And I would wake up and he would just have a bag. M&M. And me, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I destroyed. I'm like, man, Victor, uh, we got to stop. Uh, and we just did Bonnaroo together. This man, I just kind of looked at him and smiled like, got the M&Ms. Opens his base case and pulls a bag of M&Ms geez. out. I'm like, oh, my God. So he is human. And then he just leaves it, leaves him next to my floor, Tom. And I'm just, <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay. I, had, I had like a camera guy. Hey, can, can you take this away, please? Right, yeah. Victor, you're gonna I, if, if something goes right, it's because of your M and M's, man. Right. That so that's his vice. Like there are so many ways in which he's operating on a higher plane. But like he you has bring that M and M's to Victor Wooten, you'll be on this good side. <laughs> I'm telling you, you show up to a Vic, Victor Wooten concert with a bag of M and M's. That's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. He'll chat. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Legend. And again, like you said, the Wong thing. We have Wong band. We have many guests. And that's another blessing to like, I've got to play with from Victor to Larry Carlton to Mark Lettieri, Sierra Hall, Big Wild, all these Dave Romeo. Dave Cause blew my mind. I was like, really? Dave fucking Dude, Cause? Dave <laughs> today, Dave Cause is not just a guy I got to play with. He's family. Dave is a role model, a brother. I've got to tour Europe with Dave and we were on boat rides together on, and just talk about not just music, life. And he's such a, he's such a good human. Yeah. I could not, he, his heart is so big. Yeah. And he's such a great person to just even text and talk. Like he would just send happy birthday with the biggest heart, like warm message. That's just like, Dave is, I don't know, man, Dave is, so amazing and he has such a pure soul yeah i met him a couple people, times because yeah. when, when i lived in la I, I played at his club a couple times and and he was just like you said the most welcoming the most warm-hearted dude and you know his his music and his legacy is like it's a certain thing right and you can you can love yeah. it or hate it but like there are two facts about him like you said he's a, a beautiful human and he fucking shreds so, <laughs> dude, he can throw down. Yeah, no joke. Cos throws down. People are like, oh, smooth guy, bro. Yeah, Cos throws down. Yeah, Especially, I mean, you can't you can't play like, with Corey Wong's nine piece band and not like fucking hold your own and shred like. And you have like Kenny Holman behind you and Barbash and Michael Nelson, who is the wizard of. Michael writes all the charts, and Michael is the horn arranger section leader mm-hmm. michael is like perfection michael yeah. is like what weird rhythm section michael in his horn section if you if the horn section is not happening michael will let you have it and this is like <laughs> this last gig like the day before we played two festivals back to back we did um think sierra sierra music festival was it called in california and then we flew to portland to play and we discussed about an arrangement that night, after the festival, we were in the room. We all went to rooms like, oh, okay, let's go go to sleep. Jake Botts tells me, Michael just sent a chart for oh, the wow. new for the new version of this song. 
Like he's like that, like charts are in. He's like immediately he's on top of it. Yeah. So like with Dave, when Dave did a tour with us, yeah, you have all these cats. Like Dave threw down so hard and he read, he was a part of the horn section. He would step out, do his thing. I mean, causes. Yeah. We can, I can send like all the worship scrubs. Like, <laughs> so like another thing you're touching on is this balance between, um, like, you know, having fun, having a good time and taking shit really seriously. Um, and I, I talked most recently about this uh, with uh, Nasheed Waits. Uh, he's a great jazz mm-hmm. drummer, lives in New York. Um, and so, you know, from, from the outside, uh, Corey Wong's band, like all you guys are, you're obviously having the time of your lives. You love playing together. And there's, there's, like, there's a very playful kind of goofball aspect to, the, <laughs> to this Absolutely. whole thing. Um, but beneath that, there is very serious, very meticulous, uh, work and commitment going on, whether it's Corey sort of sending these notes via email about, you know, things that need to be different or better, whether it's, uh, the, the horn guy you mentioned, uh, holding the horn section accountable, you know, at all times, like this is, (laughs) I guess I, I just need to remind myself and, uh, and everybody who's, who's listening, like, don't be fooled by how much fun these guys are having on stage because although they are oh, no. like this it's, is a serious no bullshit endeavor. When it comes to when it comes to business, you know, when it comes to the work ethic, you got to be prepared. Yeah. You even I there was moments where I would drop the ball and show up to a rehearsal and like, "Ah, let me listen to this." No. Practice at home, bro. Mm. You got to have everything. Rehearsal is not you're learning the song. Rehearsal is executing and see what we can tweak or change. Yeah. Not learning. There's nothing unless like we are again, when it comes to that stuff, it's always the key is to always be prepared. And yes, we have fun. It's amazing. And we also are after bandstand. We're all brothers and we have fun. We talk smack to each other. We try to rile each other up. We jab at each other, but also there's a lot of love. And when it comes to when it comes to the preparation, if you're not prepared, you will hear about it. Yeah. And it just be prepared. It's mm-hmm. that is that is like I said to you, tomorrow I fly to Minneapolis and we're playing we're playing some new music. This band barely rehearses. We don't rehearse. Corey would send an email of we're playing this, we're gonna play these three songs. We'll have a sound check and sound check. We would run the stuff down, discuss what needs to be like tightened up. But we really rarely rehearse. We would rehearse maybe before a tour once and that's it. Mm-hmm. We don't like we had, um, we did Bonnaroo and we did Super. We, we were the house band for the Super Jam. Yeah. We had only had one, we only had one rehearsal and we had to back Big Wild, Remy Wolf, Sammy Ray, uh, Antoine, Joey Dostick, Theo Katzman. They all did like Theo did give it give it away now. Red Hot Chili Pepper. Joy da- Johnson did uh uh dirty dirty work, Steely Dan, Sammy mm-hmm. Ray Peg. We, everyone had these songs. Michael had to arrange all the horns. It was just walking in and all the artists, we wanted to make sure when these cats leave, they were like, wow. 
and everyone ran the song either once or twice and that was it done wow i'm comfortable yeah next we had daniel ponder daniel ponder the singer she did don't change horses we never rehearsed not once tower power don't change horses we just talked it through in the dressing room yeah and it was just it was just eyes on deck follow horns look at pachar i'm looking at corey and this like we were all on the same page we have never rehearsed and it was just learn the song be prepared no matter what happens we're playing so we're playing this event and we're backing neon trees and we're not neon tree we are not a group of that but we're gonna i all i know is i've been listening to these songs and i'm gonna be pretend like i am the part of neon trees i am the guy who recorded those songs yeah and knowing the feel knowing the hits knowing the breaks and that's the that's the mentality of this band everyone has to have that mentality no matter what we have to approach it to like attention to detail and just be prepared and me myself i was personally in the beginning Corey was like dude i need you to focus you need <laughs> focus we need you know i'm Petar, i'm shocked project. i'm shocked that anybody had to tell you to focus it's just i can't imagine it's beyond me <laughs> very true yeah <laughs> very true i yeah it was just the preparation part like get you know and that's that's the best thing about this band it's just everybody holds each other accountable right and, and so like every gig well maybe not every gig but I, ideally you want gigs to stretch you and challenge you in some way and Absolutely. Obviously, like you, you know, you had everything together on the drums that you need to have in order to make Corey happy. But the way that you had to step yeah. up a little bit and up your game was, like you said, in terms of the focus, in terms of the preparation, and and Corey was able to like nudge you in that direction and say, "Hey, like let's let's lock this down." Yeah, and I think you know it's, not yeah, not every band not every band is like that. I mean, every band has and every band leader has. Um, certain expectations and and ways that you need to prepare, and you just outlined you know what that looks like for you in this band. But I think no matter what band you're in, like if you know um, if you can read the room and just sort of like pay attention, you'll get a good idea of what the expectations are, the ways in which you need to prepare, the the parts of your game that you need to step up and you know meet or exceed those expectations sometimes those expectations are right. very high sometimes they're not that high but you you got to meet or exceed them whatever they are dude uh i mean exactly it's just in the in the end just listen li- listen to listen to the band leader first of all listen to the band leader but also be ready to take advice from the entire band. Don't be like, oh, I know better. And sometimes we are brothers and we, we know each other from school. And sometimes we do, especially Corey and me, we can bicker at each other. And our relationship is so strong to a fault. Sometimes it's like brotherly love. Like even if there's, you know, we would just try the jab at each other and like, oh, you did this. Because he knows if anyone knows my weaknesses, it's Corey. And if anyone knows Corey's weaknesses, it's me. Right. And we try to like, oh, always put each other in check. Like, let's fix these things, you know. But also, the joy of just kind of being brothers, you know. Yeah, yeah. We all like, especially Corey, Kevin, and myself. We have older brothers, or I have an older brother, but we all we all have that, that like 
younger bro- brother mentality. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I see that. You That's know? what the, like this, this Seven. band is like, it's an entire band of little brothers. Like there's no big brother in this yeah. band. It's just all little brothers. And also the crazy thing is there's like a age, like Michael, Sonny T is 67. Wow. Yeah. On bass. Michael is 62. Kenny 64. Man. Uh, Jay is 48, you know, and then Kevin's 35, Corey's 37. And Jake Box is 15. <laughs> yeah, in his mind, he's 30, but he's <laughs> definitely 15. And Eddie right now, Eddie Barbash is on, on maternity leave. Uh, <laughs> I always say that. But we have a sax player, Alex, who is Alex Bone, who is 26, mm-hmm. you know, and our tour manager is 26, but the tour manager is like an old, he's an old dog. Yeah. You need, it's you like need an old tour, dog just, tour manager. You can't have a puppy dog tour, but manager. he's 26. Yeah. 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 And it's, but yeah, the band is the age is got there, but in the end, we're kind of all like children sometimes, which right. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm realizing is that you're, you're kind of Corey's right hand man in this band. I mean, I think you go back the furthest with him. Um, well, Kevin, Kevin and me, Kevin, Kevin's on his left side, I'm his right side, right. but yeah, yeah. Corey definitely, he is, we are just there to support. And well, I was going to ask, like, are there ways, it, aside from playing, are there ways that Corey looks to you to help lead the band in terms of, um, well, maybe when it's, when he's like soloing, when it's happening, a either Kevin or Pitar, UQ, the next se- section or the horns would look at me to like, okay, I see he's here. We're moving on. We either it's either Kevin or myself, like on certain songs when he's like, I'm gonna be doing my thing and I'm building it. So look at Pitar for the cue. Mm-hmm. Um and when it comes to like certain things, he would just, hey, what do you think of this song? Or what would you think of this idea? When we record music, he would just, hey, I have this riff, put a groove down, or I would versus, you know he would ask to like suggestions to that. And like, he would ask what you think of the set list into usually he, he does take a lot on his plate. So he, he definitely comes to us and would ask for like opinions or advice mm-hmm. when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or especially like when we are rearranging a tune, that's like all hands on deck. Hey, this is not happening. What should we do? What do you guys think? And either I would pitch an idea or Kevin would pitch an idea. Right. Michael would tighten the horn section. So like, has playing this role and and watching Corey lead his band um, has that got you thinking about maybe one day you will step into an MD role for an artist? It would be great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Always crosses my mind. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> right now, you know, with Corey and Uncle Bronco, I'm like, man, <laughs> you're just hanging on I'm for the dear other <laughs> exactly i'm like good god and i play with other artists where i'm like trying to and i co- occasionally host the flamingo thing but also like being on deck there leading that that thing together the flamingo jam in nashville the flamingo invite i guess it's not a jam it's an invite right which is uh, an important distinction but, <laughs> yeah but it's it's another it's another cool thing like you know you, you that that night it can be extremely special because you're playing with new people and usually it's the same group, but you're creating the song. There's no songs, right. there's no right. material. There's not, you're creating a thing on the spot. 
you're creating and that is a whole different thing i remember about that because I've, I've only been to that thing once and i think it was the first time you and i met in person actually because I, yeah. I showed up there with ty um but yeah it's all improvised like you're not allowed to call a tune like even if you're a singer no no tune even a singer yeah they, the singers have to like create a song on the spot and it can be incredible or it can be a complete train wreck. Right, which is Depends the nature of jam who's sessions. Doing it. It's just yeah. <laughs> Yes. But usually like, oh yeah, in my mind, we are creating a tune. This is interlude. Count eight to sixteen bars. Here's verse that was verse one. Create sections. And you know, it's just that's a whole different thing. And it definitely stretches the mind. And you don't have I've not seen that in Minneapolis or anywhere else in that capacity, like a jam like that. So that's a cool thing too. Like just when I think about it, it, but again, it can depends on the night. It can be incredible. It can be a crazy, like what is going on right now? Let's, but usually when the house guys, and when like, you know, the players who are, who are playing with you, you're like, Oh yeah, it's going to be great. You're yeah. going to create something special tonight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's another cool thing that in Nashville that I got to experience. Yeah. That's great, man. So back to the Nashville thing. <laughs> I mean, you're you're just you're doing Nashville to death. I don't I don't think Nashville knew what was what was going to hit it <laughs> when you got there. But <laughs> man, it's it's great to see you. Oh man, it's, it's great to see you just kicking so much ass and sounding great always. Uh, and uh, you know, one maybe... thing about Nashville, I have to add on to Nashville is like all the companies are here. That's my yeah. favorite thing. Like, yeah, oh, man, Pearl is here, Minos here. They're like, and like I just drove to Minos yesterday to pick up two symbols. and like. And Chris was not even there. It was just, oh yeah, the my Brandon, my assistant's there, just walking, he'll have the symbols ready. I'm like, yes. I just drove my car, grabbed a sandwich, and went to the factory, picked up symbols. Like, yep. this is amazing. Yep. Same thing with Pearl. I'm like, yep. I modified the floor time into a snare drum. I'm like, hey John, can I pick it up? No, dude, let's meet for coffee and I'll drop it off. I'm like, this is so awesome. Yep. That's <laughs> one that city is where, one thing about like, Nashville, man. It's yeah. Yeah, the industry's here. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, well, man, maybe we'll we'll have you back in another four years when uh uh you know the Wong notes have a yeah. Broadway mm-hmm. musical and Uncle Broadway uh, Uncle Uncle Bronco is doing a Uncle, a, Uncle a, Broadway. A Reno, <laughs> <laughs> maybe even Wong notes appear at a talk show band. And I don't, there you go. I could see I could see that. Man, it was great talking to you. Thanks for joining us again. Like Zach, you're the homie, man. You're such a great human too brother oh, thank you and man. i'm glad we did i did with matthew matt's awesome and this whole podcast is sick appreciate you man there you go petar janich big thanks to him for that talk look out for him on tour with Corey wong wherever you see music and look for the new singles and soon the full-length album from uncle bronco wherever you get music Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with Jody Stevens, who works at Ardent Studios in Memphis. He's a member of the duo The Pretty Wrongs and the supergroup Golden Smog with Jeff Tweedy, and is the only surviving member of the influential band Big Star. So, lots to talk about there. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.